popular question we get asked regularly is, how do I know if my customers are happy with our relationship? There's probably no better way to identify how to build better relationships with your clients than by using our Mindset Survey tool. The Sales Mindset Survey is a free-to-use tool that is revolutionizing the sales performance industry. This survey utilizes competing questions and the user's perceptions of themselves to identify just how well they truly perform. Are you manipulative or authentic, supplier or client-centric, complacent or proactively creative, overtly arrogant or tactfully audacious? There is no right or wrong and the survey will only be helpful as you are honest. But then why did you go one step further? We also offer a 360-degree perspective that allows you to share the survey with your peers and colleagues as well as your customers to gain even deeper understanding of how you sell. Do your customers see you in the same light of how you see yourself? Becoming a better salesperson has never been an easy task, but the journey can be made much quicker and more effective with the right tools. By focusing on those problem areas, you will join the top 10% of sales performers in the industry and make your way to the winner's circle. Why did you give the Sales Mindset Survey a go today? The results may just surprise you. The link to the survey is in the show notes. Now, on to the episode. Oh, I see some familiar faces here. Carly, <laughs> Neil, <laughs> so nice to see you. Ian from South Africa. Nick from Manchester or Southport or wherever. <laughs> Greg from Ireland. <laughs> That's great. Nice to have you with us. Yeah. We have Axel with us as well. Some of you have met him, of course, before. Some of you not. Yes, those of you who have been on our sessions before would know that we quite like it to be fairly interactive if we can, depending on how many of you are on the call. But uh, yeah, the first question we have is, do you mind just sharing which country you're from, I guess? <laughs> well, I think um, I think we should, uh, we should get started. Um, Will and Eddie, are we hoping that we can record the session? I hope you don't mind, all of you, if we record the session. If you've got any objections, then perhaps you should leave. Because <laughs> 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 I think most people most people will probably be okay with it being recorded, but, you know, just for the etiquette. Um, so I just want to say a huge thank you for joining us this morning or this afternoon, depending on which country you're in. Um, my name is Phil Squire. I'm, I'm the CEO of Consalia. I'll say a few more words about myself a bit later on. But before we get started, I just wanted to uh, explain a little what we're trying to do with the Masterclass series. Um, this is the second one that we've hosted. Uh, the first one was in person at the London Stock Exchange last year. And uh, we thought we would uh, widen the net a bit by making it virtual and to have people able to join us from different parts of the world. Um, and the format is roughly going to be similar each time we run these, which will be about once a quarter. Um, we're wanting to invite various organizations and people working within them to share a particular piece of research they've done or a project they've done which is connected to the general topic of 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 sales transformation um 
so that's that's the one constant theme. So most of the people that will join the masterclass um, series are going to be those that have come through or are attending uh, the master's programs that we're running. Um, and But we want to make this session also part educational. So we want to use it as a format to share information, to share knowledge. Um, and we also want to make it participative. Um, the guest of honor at this session is, is Axel uh, from SAP France. Um, and if you've got any questions or if you've got any, yeah, any questions at all that you would like to ask of Axel about him, what he's doing, what SAP are doing, um, then I know that Axel will be very, very happy to to answer those. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to um, encourage encourage you to put questions into chat as we go through. So that's a little, just a little bit on the format um, for this uh, for this session. I can see Jan Laros is here from Holland. It's so nice to see you, Jan Laros, as well. Uh, that's great. So yeah, I guess key words here are leading and sales and transformation. <laughs> um, so these are the uh, the kind of um, uh, words that we'll be referring back to um, a bit later on. But just to kind of set the context for this uh, in terms of the world in which we're all operating in, um, uh, when we start to look at this notion of change and, and transformation, we can explore this in a number of different, if you like, contexts. Of course, we've we've had the impact of, of COVID in the past. And yes, I know that we're out of COVID now, but it still had a pretty significant effect on, on how we look at life and how we run our businesses. I think we're sensing that there's a general movement um, in the world to more purpose-driven enterprises. Um, and that this is potentially changing the nature of how companies make decisions. And in a sales context, it's looking at how we may rethink the way we position the, the solutions that we're selling or, or indeed create new types of solutions that are perhaps better aligned to a purpose-driven uh, driven objective. Um, I'm sure many of us in the room have seen so much research on the changing nature of buyers, how the demographic of buyers is changing, um, how more and more people are involved in the buying decisions, how there are potentially less touch points between buyers and sales teams that will make it more challenging for us in the sales environment to get our messages across to the right people. We have the the national versus global kind of marketplaces. Um, we had the World is Flat book that came out a number of years ago, but perhaps we're seeing slightly more nationalistic tendencies caused by the pandemic and uh, by the realization that uh, we can have serious disruptions to the supply chain given given war and the pandemic. So the idea of being more self-sufficient perhaps is becoming uh, more important now than it was in the past. 
We also have the explosion of information and communication technologies. So we have uh, surrounding us in sales now a, a great many different channels of communication in the way that we sort of interact and talk with uh, with customers. And there's perhaps a shift to this idea of co-creation. We talk about this quite a bit on the master's um, program in terms of sources of competitive advantage and 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 the fact we we perhaps transitioned through different eras, a sort of seller controlled era to a buyer controlled era. Perhaps now we're in an era where we realize that we don't have all the answers and customers and suppliers alike are beginning to work more together to co-create value. So these are really just some of the things that could be impacting uh, the nature of the world in which we're kind of operating in and selling. So this is this is, I think, driving a lot of the conversation we may be having about transformation and change. And uh, we're hoping to go into these topics or the not necessarily these topics, but the challenges of transformation in a bit more detail as we get uh, stuck into this uh, this particular session. But I guess the message from this slide is no matter where we are, um, the chances are that we're having to wrestle in part with this notion of transformation and uh, and and change um so given the topic is around transformation let me just say a few more words about myself and of course i'd like to introduce axel um to you some of you don't know who consalia is uh, so for those that do know who consalia is forgive me uh for just saying a few words we are a sales business school and uh, we provide sales education in the form of undergraduate and postgraduate master's levels programs and have been doing so now since 2006 um, we are uniquely positioned in the world in that capacity i believe we're the only organization that offer both undergraduate and postgraduate development programs so we see ourselves as a business school like Henley or Cranfield or any of these quite well-known business school, INSEADs, but we only specialize in sales. That's all that we do. We also have a consulting division. Not everyone wants sales education, but they want consulting solutions. So we provide training and consulting solutions all connected back to this theme of uh, sales performance improvement. And um, we also have an online and licensing division of Consalia, which is being able to provide asynchronous learning solutions for those that can't attend face-to-face -face or want to get access to some of our content in a e-learning environment. This is something that's quite, quite new to Consalia and has, has literally just been launched in the last weak to the public world, but uh, in-house we've been doing this now for the last year or so. Um, so that's a little bit about me. So I'm just going to ask Axel to say a few words. Thank you, Phil, and good day, everyone. My pleasure to be with you today. Um, so Axel Ferrerol, I'm uh, Head of Innovation for SAP, a global leading software company. 
I have been at SAP for 16 years. I can say that's my home now. And the reason why I like SAP is because we like uh, to solve complex problems with our customers. And there is nothing more fascinating for me to, than to help our salespeople, uh, sales professional too, collaborate with customers in solving those complex problems. Um, my passion in life is clearly uh, personal development. It's uh, sales and leadership and is rugby. And I must apologize for my voice as I was on a pitch yesterday with my kids and uh, I had to shout a lot to get them in line. So um, apologies for that. But as we will not speak about uh, rugby, one of my key passion over the last 11 years is transformation. And it's a journey that we took together with Consalia and that's what we would like to discuss with you today. So again, just to set some context, um, as, as Axel has kind of alluded to, uh, we've known each other for some time now. And uh, I'm going to put Axel's on the spot here uh, to see if he can answer the connection between some numbers I'm going to throw at him. Are you ready for this, Axel? Uh, that would be tough. Let me know. Yes, <laughs> let's go. <laughs> 50.6. Okay. Next number. Mm -hmm. 54,346. Next number. 19.8 billion. Have I been unfair? 19.8 billion. 54,346 and 50.6. Uh, 19.8 billion would come closer to some of our revenue at SAP, maybe. <laughs> Very good. Which year? <laughs> oh, was it Was it at the time? Was it when? It was. It was the time we first met. Oh, oh okay. Yeah, so when we first met, <laughs> SAP's turnover was 19.8 billion. Yeah. You had 54,346 employees, yeah. and the stock price was $50.6. Things have changed since then. Things have changed. Yeah. Uh, so SAP, for those of you who don't know, SAP is now turning over, well, I think, 30.8 billion, 111,000 employees globally, and the stock price is 135.27. So um, this is uh, over the period of time we've known you, Axel. Mm. I can't say that that growth has been entirely attributed to the master's programs we've been running together. <laughs> But the company has certainly transformed a lot since those early days that we first met on a on a football pitch in Luxembourg. Oh yes. <laughs> anyway, okay. So um, I think this neatly kind of segues into the um, into the topic of transformation and and kind of change. And we just thought we would set the scene on this topic of conversation about making sure we understand the terminology you know, correctly, because sometimes I think people use these two words interchangeably, um, perhaps not understanding what the difference is um, uh, between them. Um, Axel, I don't know if you want to share what how you see the difference between change and transformation. This I would love to. I just delivered um, last week an interesting uh, session on future um, way of leading to India. And when I asked them, what's the difference between change and transformation? Most of them came with an intention. They saw transformation as a positive change with an intentionality, which was more positive than change, which surprised me. I mean, we spend a lot of time in the master to investigate transformation. For me, the difference is um, a difference of nature, right? The change can be done and undone. Right? You can move on <laughs> on a diet and then you can take some weight. 
uh, back, right? So that's a change. Uh, transformation is different. Transformation cannot be undone. That's what we call a second level change. So when you go into a transformation, there is no way back. It's a very deep, rooted change, something that usually impacts your belief systems, your mindset. It's not, you know, when you know that the, the, the earth is round, then it's round. <laughs> you cannot come back and say, now it's flat, even though some people might question, but uh, usually that's how it is. So transformation cannot be undone. Now we can talk about level of magnitude, but I don't think that's the most important. Something also that sometimes is surprising, just to throw it on the table, is that um, transformation is um, as a start and an end, right? There is a point where that transformation occurs, right? So you can create an environment where that transformation can take place. And that's what I would like to discuss about with the master program. While change is more of a continuous process, kind of innovation, things that are incremental, uh, to a normal daily routine. Transformation is different. There is something that happens that starts driving that transformation, that makes that transformation occur. It's uh, this continuous process. Could, could, I, could I invite you all just to, in chat, you know, sort of contribute your thoughts also to, the, uh, to this question about change and transformation? Just, just interested to get your thoughts as well, and then we'll, we'll share a few more of our own own slides on this. Thank you, Grant. Transformation is permanent change. Thank you, Jan Laros. Be a reason to change is a paradigm shift uh, in the way we do things. Thank you. Yeah, we've got some great uh, yeah great comments. Thank you. This is all going to help us as we go into uh, as we as we get into the uh, the conversation. The analogy um, that we often use when we're talking about the difference between change and transformation. And I think it's critical because I think it um, connects back to the, you know, what problems are we trying to solve here? You know, is the problem that we're trying to solve in our business, uh, uh, could be around sales performance, is it that we're trying to create a faster caterpillar? I think I use that term, Carly and uh, Neil, on the recent uh, workshop we had together, Rob, or is it that we're trying to create a butterfly? Um, and this, to, to, to me, is a very nice way of explaining the difference between change and transformation. A faster caterpillar is change, yeah? And it may be that that's what we need to do. We just need to create faster caterpillars in our work environment. We need to become more efficient, if you like, at what we do. But transformation is, is the process of actually changing into something which is, which is different, as a butterfly is different to a caterpillar. A faster caterpillar can walk slowly, more slowly. It can change back to be a slow caterpillar. But a butterfly cannot transform back into being a caterpillar. Once it's changed, it's changed for good. It's, it's highly um is highly sustainable and i think uh, that we talk about this on our leadership programs because sometimes the word transformation is used when they really mean change and sometimes people use the word change when they really need transformation and i think being able to look at a set of problems that one is facing and asking yourself the question what's required is it change or is it transformation is 
is key because depending on the nature of whether it's change or transformation, there could be a profoundly different strategy that's needed in order to um, address the particular issue at hand. I don't know, Axel, if you would like to comment on that. Something I would like to add, Phil and, and Tim, on this one is in between the caterpillar and the butterfly is chaos. And I guess as leaders in our organization, it's important to operate and to understand what chaos means. Chaos is a stage, an in-between stage between two stable state of being, one of which being more complex and more elaborated than the other one. So when the caterpillar turns into a butterfly, it goes into a total revamp, a new blueprint, and that creates chaos. So we need to identify those type of chaos as a transformational phase, and we need to learn how to manage it as a reflection point. I like that. Okay. Well, I let you kind of reflect on that a little bit longer. So, so again, the, the title of this session is, um, is around a masterclass in leading sales transformation. Yeah. So we are more focused on the word transformation than, uh, than, uh, than change. So what is it that we're fundamentally shifting when we start to talk about transformation? And this is going to be familiar to some of you who've been through our master's programs. Um, but essentially, um, this these series of circles that you can see is based on a professor at a university in Holland, uh, Korthagen, who describes these different layers. And um, we have the core at the center, which is our soul, if you like, and then wrapped around our soul is our purpose, and then wrapped around our purpose of values and beliefs. And then we have our competencies, and then we have behavior, and then we have the environment in which we're now connecting with. Kortaken's theory is that if transformation is going to occur, all of these concentric topics, if you like, need to be connected. Uh, we cannot affect transformation at a behavior or a competence level unless our values and beliefs and purpose are also aligned with them. And I think that this is where many of the transformation projects sometimes fail in its execution because people trying to affect change or transformation in the businesses for whom they work never quite get to the deeper layers of values, beliefs, and purpose. And for that reason, uh, hearts and minds are not won over. And there's considerable frustration perhaps at um, senior board levels who are trying to push an organization to transform itself into something else and transform the activities of the sales force. They're frustrated because whilst they have bought into the idea of why this new strategy is so important and the need for transformation, it hasn't connected at a deep enough level to the values and beliefs of the people that are, are working inside the organization. So it's this alignment that's rather critical for transformation to, um, to take effect. If you've got any comments or observations you'd like to make on this particular uh, concept, again, please feel, feel free to, um, to comment on. Now, 
what we want you to do is a little bit of an exercise here. The first question that you are going to be asked is, why do you feel the need to transform your sales force or not? That's the first question. And you're going to be invited to write some words or sentences. Then the second question are going to be, what are the barriers to transforming your sales force? So this is in real time. Now, getting some feedback from you as to your answers to those two questions. So I'll just give you a moment to, to have a go. Now I'm going to ask you to do the second question, which are, what are the barriers to transforming your sales force? Again, uh, if you can list the barriers to transforming your sales force and go through the similar exercise that you've done before. So we'll just give you a few moments to do this. Oh, here we go. Very good. Axel, I'm going to look to you to give some commentary on this. Yeah, let's look at the keyword here. Progression for sure. Uh, be future ready. One of the key topics we have at SAP, by the way. <laughs> Especially in a thriving, chaotic environment, sales has a lot of work to reinvent themselves. Head of the competitor, yes. New strategy, profitability, motivation, yes. Our salespeople are under huge pressure. Motivation is important. Money will not only make it happen. Purpose driven, yes. Missed targets. In the IT space, yeah, missed target is always important. In the industry, is always between 35 to 50% of our sales guys achieving quota. That's by, by definition. And some of our master students are here to try to remedy that problem because that is not acceptable. And Paul on that call is one of them who started looking to these details. I suppose I would question uh, you know, whether some of these words suggest transformation or change. You know, for example, when we talk about words like efficiency, or performance mm. is never perfect. Um, you know, is that is that linked to transformation? I don't know who can remember sort of um, contributing those particular phrases, or is that change? If we're going to become more efficient, is that a change-related topic, or is it is it transformation? It may be that we need transformation to become more efficient. Mm. Yeah, I'm not sure, but. Um, uh, if anyone wants to, you know, sort of add to the conversation and and uh, input into chat what they meant by some of these words. Yeah, world is changing, align corporate goals. Okay. Shall we have a look at the second question or Axel, any more reflections on the first? Is this, uh, is this uh, going to be the helpful? one bottom right, survival. To a it's certain survival. extent, I mean, we, we can question what sales will become. <laughs> when I look at the AI and we see what we are doing at the moment, what's coming in in the next five years. Yeah, I mean, salespeople should reflect about who they will become because there is here a survival topic to be, to be considered. Yeah. We move on to the uh, second, the second question. Now the sort of barriers. Yeah, thank you for uh, adding to the chat conversation as well. Depends on the mindset of the leadership. So what are the barriers to transforming the sales force? Well, we've got resistance to change. <laughs> it's quite prominent. Can we elaborate on the question of time? In what sense? I don't know. Who? Okay, that was 
that was for me it's Sarah at Vodafone mm -hmm. so for me it's generally lack of time and finding the time to to do transformation projects if you like or just getting a team together to discuss it further so it's being time poor if you like very fair remind me of a discussion we had with CEOs two weeks ago and they said oh we need to do transformation as well I said, why, why can't you do transformation as part of your daily activities? Why should it be seen as an extra project? But there is currently clearly two different types of activities, the run rate and the transformation. I agree with you on this. But I, I think this issue of, um, I've been quite interested in this topic of velocity and the speed at which one can transform, which could be connected back to time. Um, because again, when you, when you, when you talk about the pressures that businesses are under to, to change, um, it's often within a context that, like um, we've just been talking about, we're sort of time poor and we need like change yesterday. We always mm -hmm. seem to be sort of rushing to, to try and transform a business into the future state, if you like, against a context which... Um, where the competitors are being very active and things are changing so much. Um, so the pace at which one transforms is a critical component of the transformation itself. It, it, if it takes too slow to transform, then you've lost it. You know, so yes, we may be on a transformational journey to shift the organization, but is it fast enough? I think that's a key question because I know at SAP, and you can talk about it later, Axel, that, you know, we've been talking about some of the shifts required for SAP, you know, for quite a number of years. And it takes time to take a shift uh, in, in the business. Perhaps we can talk about that later. So thank you, yeah, for talking about time. Any other words, Axel, you'd like to kind of comment on? I'm reading Phil at the moment, the chat, and they're fascinating feedback. I mean, clearly, Jan is saying that he aligns with Sarah. The question is, you know, sales yeah. is too busy, which we know very well. Um, and there is also the average tenure of leaders, which is quite short. So can they really run the transformation uh, across the board, right? Can would they stay along, uh, long, I mean, long enough, right, to see that or to drive it? It's a key question. So velocity, as you said, is key. Well, we'll have a chance to maybe spend a bit more time on these two questions in some breakout sessions we're going to do a little bit later on with you where we can sort of get under the skin of some of the thoughts you've got on 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 this uh, this topic. In fact, we're going to do that now. So what I'd like you to do, uh, or would like us to do now, is to work into groups one and two, I'm going to ask if you could take this first question, why do you feel the need to transform your Salesforce or not? So this is a chance for you now to go into a little bit more depth on, on the topic. And the second group, I would like to focus on what are the barriers to transforming your Salesforce. So I'm going to open up all the rooms now, and I'll give you about 10 to 15 minutes, and let's see how we how we get on in the rooms. I'll come and visit each room and see how you're getting on. So here we go. Okay, yeah, so uh, so in our group, we, we talked a lot about, um, well, we used the word survival um, and the idea that we, we need to transform to survive. 
So if we continue to try to do things the way we did 15 years ago from a sales perspective, then ultimately we'll disengage with our buyers and the way that they want to buy and the sales process that they need us to go through. Um, you know, when I think about our business, that has changed dramatically. The way we engage with a client has changed dramatically. And it is about survival ultimately, because if our competitors are transforming and we're not, then we will be left behind. Um, so we we talked about the idea that transformation is important to um, to, a, to attracting young talent and being able to bring younger people into the business to enable that transformation to help us to drive it, um, but also to showcase to that younger talent that we are a business that is already in that process that's moving forward with transformation, um, bringing in the areas that have become more important areas like sustainability and being able to show our green credentials because that's more and more important to to the younger talent pot um we had a conversation in our group around the idea that not every single member of the team is going to buy into to the transformation um so some will some won't it's a desire piece if the desire is there to transform then great but ultimately it is possible to use the experienced team, so the team that have perhaps done things the old way, but done it successfully and continue to do it successfully, but also for them to work in tandem and, 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 and to assist the development of the those that do want to go on the journey that want to transform. So certainly in our business, we can almost divide that in, in, in two. We, we, we've got a great established team um, of account managers that work with, um, you know, that work through a certain process. Um, it's probably fair to say that that you know, in a hundred percent of the cases, that maybe that desire to transform isn't isn't there. But we can still harness the power of those individuals um, by enabling them to work with the um, the new talent and the the individuals that have, have got that desire to, to learn new methods and to engage with clients in, in new ways. Um, so transformation is, is absolutely key. Trying to tap into every single individual that wants to go on the journey, but timings are different. You know, some people are happy and ready to transform almost overnight. And some people just need a little bit more care and, and need taking along that journey over um, over a slightly longer period, but ultimately the key to it is that it's what our clients need us to do. Um, it's what they're looking for now in that sales process. I think it's fairly widely spoken about that a client or a customer or a prospect can now find out an awful lot of stuff online. They can do their own research. They can do the homework. They can probably know a lot about your product or your service without the involvement of an account manager or a salesperson. So the transformation piece is understanding where do we bring that value? And those were kind of some of the things we spoke about in our room. That's great. Well, can, can I move on to, to room two? Is there anything you'd like to add to the same question that perhaps hasn't been covered um, by those in room one? Are there any, any themes? Did you have a chance to nominate a, a spokesperson? We didn't nominate. I'm happy to jump in on. Thank you, Steve. Yeah. 
I think one key theme reflecting on it was actually around kind of this bringing groups of people together. So a number of yeah. us have experienced acquisitions of businesses, small businesses being acquired by a larger one, or you've got different regional groups and teams maybe working in quite different ways. And so this theme around actually bringing those teams together collectively and needing to work, be transformed, not just from one okay. organization, multiple organizations together, maybe with different cultures and ways of doing things. And that's been, a, was certainly a key part of our conversation. Yeah. So, cause I believe that your organization has gone through quite a lot of, is that right? Is it a, a result of a number of acquisitions that have been brought together? Certainly. Yeah. So Causeway, well, Causeway is so I worked for a company called Yotta that was acquired last year about um, just under 10 million turnover. Now the Causeway, about 50 million turnover. But Causeway itself has, even just last week, acquired a new business as well within the construction sector. So uh, from the software uh, companies there. So uh, it's a live issue where we're bringing in uh, new teams Large and groups. people. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very interesting. Thank you. Okay. Anything else to add to that, to, to what Steve shared? From group okay, let's move on to uh, the second question. What are the barriers? I think I, I kind of nominated myself as the spokesperson coming, coming from <laughs> Consalia. Well, I had Grant in my group, and he was throwing all sorts of terminology by way, which I tried to <laughs> scribble down. Um, but yeah, we've we we discussed um, kind of quite quite a bit, and um, actually, just on the back of the um, of the person who's previously just speaking, uh, Dominique was men mentioning culture as well um, and um, the differences in her organization acquiring new organizations and seeing the cultural differences of those acquisitions yeah. can really affect uh, and be a barrier of transformation. Um, and then we, we also discussed around leadership and le leadership kind of um, allowing for transformation to happen and having the space to transform. And Sarah mentioned, of course, time being a barrier as well yeah. uh, for transformation. Um, Grant, I'm sorry, I, I'm not doing you justice here, but one thing that you mentioned that was really interesting uh, was about entrepreneurship. Um, I asked the question, can transformation, is it just a top-down approach or can it, can it happen from the bottom up? And um, Grant certainly had a really interesting view around, well, absolutely, absolutely it can with the notion of entrepreneurship. So mm -hmm. at a CEO point of view or the more senior you are, uh, the sort of less access you might have to generate networking opportunities within the organization and, and um, being a transformational mobilizer um, can affect transformation in that sense. Um, Neil mentioned mindset is a real um, key element mm. and actually having the right sort of mindset um, to be open for transformation because quite often sales teams can um, highlight resistance. And I think that was echoed by what Rob had also mentioned. Um, and teams need to understand the the reasons for change. You know, why are, why do we need to go on this transformation journey? What is the what's the purpose of it? Awesome. Um, 
as well. So I hope I've done that justice in my group. Um, anyone else, please feel free to chip in if I've missed anything. I'm sure I, I have done, um, but it was a really interesting conversation. That's great. Thank you. It sounds like you did a pretty good job, actually, summarizing all those comments. Well done. So let's move on to the final group. So that Tad, uh, I'm not sure Eddie was there, but Ian, I don't think Jaff was there, uh, Jan Laros and Malik. Yeah. Eddie yeah, was definitely there, and he had some very good input as well. But Ian, Eddie, and Malik uh, and myself yeah. discussed about a lot of topics that we'll already address. Okay. Um, but if you look at... Uh, the resistance or the barriers to tra sales transformation, uh, from our experience, there's a couple of things that relate to the word fear. And one of the okay. words that we also mentioned, um, at least I did, was ego. And that um, comes to mind when you think about leadership. As Will was saying, you can go top down or bottom up entrepreneurship. I, I very much like that word. And I work at a company where we value entrepreneurship or entrepreneurship very much but you can you can have all the good ideas in the world and um, make a lot of powerpoints about it with your team with your commercial team if there is no leader that recognizes it or is too afraid to sponsor it then it's never going to happen and that's one of the barriers that we identified as a group mm. was very important um, the second topic was time um, I think post-COVID, every sales team, at least in the SAP uh, world, has been very busy closing new deals, um, generating new demands, building new propositions, etc., which are not related to sales transformation, but just um, time-consuming for everybody and every sales team. So there's no time to transform, which is a barrier because you need to create time to transform your team if you really want. Um, and the third and last one we discussed very briefly was talent. Uh, one of the things you can do as a company to transform any team, but also a sales team, is hire fresh, new um, talent from outside the box. So, for instance, if I hire an account manager, um, I prefer not to hire a senior um, principal SAP account manager, which has been running key accounts for 20 years. I rather have an innovative young person who comes from a company that has never worked with SAP before. And the barrier is that they're hard to find, mm -hmm. they're hard to pay, and they are hard to sell to because you really have to convince them to work for you as a company. You have to think outside of the box with compensation, with work environment, with culture. So the war on talent is another barrier that it's mm. that it's creating. Um, slower transformation in sales teams. Oh, fantastic. Sounds like you had a great conversation it again. Was very good, yeah. And in room four. So it's, um... Malik was in the car and he even chipped in with some very good thoughts as well. So it would be okay. <laughs> Fantastic. So we've got quite a rich um, bit of uh, information coming from those four different groups, Axel. So I think this is going to be a great segue perhaps into what's been happening at SAP and maybe sharing more of the the, the story that you've uh, experienced. Is, is that okay, Axel? Well, oh, absolutely. Phil. I guess, Phil, a little bit of context if you can start showing some of the slides. So I don't know, we have, what, uh, 20 minutes max. Yeah. So let's see if we can do it in 15. So, Tim, I heard lots of words and topics that resonated. Now, let's try to move backward in history. So we are in 2011. At the time, I'm in... Uh, 
sales learning, so in the enablement team for sales um, in EMEA, Europe, Middle East, Africa. And I'm asked to create specific training or curriculum for frontline sales managers. And the reason why we focus on frontline sales managers is because they are the transmission belt. And we know that if we want to change the sales force, we need to change the frontline managers because they are sitting between the strategy of the organizations, the salespeople, and the customers. So we start looking into this. When you look at that from a statistic perspective, from an enablement perspective, what do you see? You see the frontline managers are the ones that are the least trained into an organization. Not that they are the ones who have the least training, because with a huge amount of training on, on leadership and coaching and training in all directions, but they are the least inclined to take that training because they're too busy managing forecast, especially at SAP. So we see that we are transforming our top sales guys who are usually promoted into sales management into a forecast machine. And what came to my mind is, okay, how do we move away from that dynamics? How do we create a space, not time, space? How do we create a space where those frontline sales managers can actually find a way to learn and transform. Now the world transformation, I guess, really took us hmm, two or three months of reflection to come with that world because we hesitated between innovation and transformation. Was it leading sales innovation or was it leading sales transformation? And we didn't really know what transformation was. We didn't talk about transformation anywhere in the world in 2011. Today, we talk about transformation all around, not in 2011. That word was not used in marketing, was not used anywhere else. So at that time, I was just asking myself, how do we create the space for those frontline sales managers to transform? And what would motivate them to learn, right? Because the standard curriculum from SAP was not good enough, as it seems or not attractive enough. And let's face it, when you have a very experienced sales guy who is promoted as a sales manager and is a very experienced sales manager, they tend to believe that they know everything. At least that was my caveat in my mind. The people I met were not that type, but clearly there is a tendency to believe that from an enablement perspective, those people know it all. And when you ask survey, they say, yeah, you know, we have gone through all the training from SAP. Nothing can you know, satisfy us because we know. So technically, they should be teaching others, which is true, by the way. But that's where I was. I was at a point where we needed to transform because SAP wanted to move to on-prem to the cloud. And the only one who could help us succeed were the frontline sales managers. And that's where I turned to Phil. I say, Phil, listen, I'm stuck. I talked to MIT. I talked to Harvard. I talked to all the big names because everybody told me, Axel, you're new to enablement. You need to go to the big university, to the big tickets, because that's who with whom we are collaborating. I said, okay, fine. And when you talk about sales to university, they smile. They smile because sales is not a profession. So they have curriculum for marketing. They don't have curriculum for sales. They have curriculum for leadership, but they have plain vanilla Harvard curriculum, or they have plain vanilla MIT curriculum, or Stanford, but they don't have sales for SAP. <laughs> so I told Phil, I said, Phil, listen, I have a problem. I don't want to work with those big tickets who are going to ask for millions just to give me a plain vanilla course. I don't care. And I don't want MBA. I don't care. I want something made for sales, for frontline sales managers, and it doesn't exist. There is no single university in the world who has created a master program. Actually, the master program was a solution. Any degree type 
for sales managers, for frontline sales managers, and that I could customize for SAP. So what could we do? And Phil said, yeah, you know, we started working with HP. Uh, we started looking into this, and we have a partner called Middlesex University. You might want to consider this. Maybe we can build something. And as my favorite motto is, build it and they will come, <laughs> coming from the movie Field of Dreams with Kevin Costner back in time, um, I said, okay, let's do it. If it doesn't exist, let's, let's build the first master in science degree for frontline sales managers in the world. Why not? <laughs> and that's what we did. That's what we, everything started in 2000, uh, back in 2011 when we started uh, this journey. Today we are 11 years down the road. And of course, Tim, feel free to ask any questions in chat and I stop, right? I just give you the context as we have 15 minutes. Um, we are 11 years down the road. That means that we at SAP were able to sustain that program across the time. Now, let's be clear. You don't drive a, a master program for a lot of people simply because of the cost associated with that program. Yet we try to get 16 frontline sales managers per year. That was the beginning. Now we are moved to 24. But 16, because each of them manage 10 to 15 people, you know, it's already a, quite an impact. <laughs> on 100, 200 salespeople. And when you know, according to the last research from Harvard Business Review on, uh, on transformation, that you need 7% of a transform mindset to transform an entire culture. As we have 4,000 people, you know, you make the math, right? We need to transform around, yeah, 350 uh, sales guys to transform the 4,000. So here we go. And we start that journey we feel Consalia in that case, of course, the entire team of Consalia, because Consalia has that unique ability to speak sales and academia. If you don't speak academia, you have no clue how to interact with a university. Unfortunately, Consalia speaks those two languages. So they were able to do the translation for me with Middlesex University. And Middlesex University have that unique ability to work to believe that professionals can bring value. You don't have to be an academic to bring value to research. That if you're a professional, you have as much value as anyone in academia. And they have this action-based research where they believe that you can put a professional at the center of the inquiry, and that will be a, a, a safe ground for research and that we can make the entire corpus of, of research for sales valid coming from the, the, the experience of professionals. And I said, that would be fantastic if we can create that master program, putting the frontline sales managers at the core, and they will make the, the corpus of research evolve from the inside out. And that was just a fantastic idea. So it took us 18 months, Phil, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. 18 months, day in, day out, to start crafting taking what Middlesex gave us as a framework, saying, okay, that's what you need to do with learning objectives, business objectives for a master in science and to make it SAPized. So I wanted at least 50% of the content that to come from SAP. The rest was coming from external research, of course, with concepts and research on leadership, management, um, coaching, communication, and influence. Those four big buckets. And we started building it. And we are now, yeah, 11 years down the road with 495 research papers. You have the numbers in front of you. Promotions is surprising because when you see people who came through that master's and we have some of the 
pioneers in that call um, uh, who were with us on the first cohort. And of course, many others who have been there since then. I mean, there is a promotion, which is great, great right? Some of them have been 15 to 20% are double promoted in two years, 50% are at least promoted once. And they all have the ear of the board in their market unit or their region because they start thinking differently. Instead of working by silos, they start saying, okay, let's collaborate because innovation will come from that collaboration. And because they start bringing new, fresh ideas, looking at things differently or challenging the status quo, they start having the ear of the upper management. And I, rem I remember Paul Devlin at the time coming to us saying, hey guys, you know, 30 to 50% of the sales guys achieving quota is not acceptable. We need to come with 100%. So how do we reach 100% quota attainment in my team? That's my target. And he started developing something amazing on data-driven performance, integrating coaching and analytics. And, you know, to, to look at the effort inside at the beginning, the effort at the outside, looking at the difference, what's going on from an activity-based perspective, benchmarking the top performers, and understanding how to coach based on data. And that was amazing. The results obtained from those research projects are just great. Or Brice, who started working on, on coaching Almanac and bringing some key insights on the coaching element for frontline sales managers. I mean, all those things I'm remembering from the research paper from those guys were just amazing. So what it takes, team, to build such a journey is some courage. Um, you don't have to be at the board to drive transformation. There was a question we wanted to ask you is where, where does transformation come through? I guess you need to have a vision, okay? You need to have some courage and resilience because clearly pushing that program, I didn't have a budget. I just had my CEO who said, okay, Axel, you know, I back you up, work on that. We don't know what it is, but let's try it. But I had no budget, right? So I had to find budget. I had to sell it. I had to find ways to drive it. And without the guiding coalition, without Consalia and their expertise, and of course, their ability to speak, and also with the intelligence of Middlesex to put you know, the professionals at the core, we couldn't have made it. So of course, the team is important. But I was in a you know, middle rank management level, right? I was just sales enablement. But clearly, the vision was clear. I knew that we wouldn't make the jump from on-prem to the cloud with standard training. I knew that we needed to create a special space. And honestly, where did that idea come from? It came from ancient tradition from the Indian in America. Because I'm a big fan of ancient traditions and I see that transformation in those ancient traditions come from this creation of a space where things happen, yeah? The shaman gets you into a, a circle of storm. And when you enter that storm, you're into a different environment than when you're outside of the storm. And I was thinking and telling Phil, how can we create that special place where there is enough security, but not only security, quality of thought and quality of time for people to transform? Transformation requires quality. It requires a sense of quality that we don't have time because we are running. What I like in the session we had is that, okay, and the, in the feedback you gave is that you said that time is an issue. And if you don't create a space where transformation can occur, it will simply not kick in. And what's the beauty of the master program? The master program, because it is an accredited program, because it will give you that degree at the end of the two years, give you that motivation to continue. 
Otherwise, you wouldn't go as a frontline sales manager into a two-year program. I mean, it's too long, right? Too much to do. But the beauty with Middlesex is that they tell you, and with Consalia, they tell you what you research, you apply. It's not that you're researching something outside of your job. It's not on top of your job. It is your job. Your job becomes your own research, right? So the frontline sales managers with the research at the core start taking their own practice and start evolving it by reflection. And reflection is a key element. If you want to transform a sales force, what you need is a space. Within the space is quality of thought, boosted by reflection and self-reflection. For self-reflection, you need to stand, you need, you need time. You need some time. And yes, it is painful. <laughs> so most of the students come to me and say, Excel, uh, you know, it takes time. Uh, we need to spend weekend on that because there are research papers to write and we need to reflect and we need to read. And they start reading again. Salespeople have no time to read. They're running, running, and running. Fact is, sometimes you need to step back, look at the bigger picture, read and reflect. And that's what the master program gives you as a space. So when we started putting that into motion, honestly, we didn't know what to expect to the extent that because we designed it, I told Phil, I need to do it, right? So when I was 40, I started engaging on that program myself because I, I designed it, but I didn't know what it was. So I, I, I did it as a student myself. And I met just amazing salespeople. And I met sales professionals who were ready to revisit the way they perceive their job, who were ready to reinvent how to sell, how to lead, how to manage, and how to coach. And what, what surprised me most is that coaching, which seems to be like a fuzzy word, right, became probably one of the most powerful tools for those transformational leaders. They realized that they needed to move from managing tasks, forecast, okay, to managing people, because managing people drives innovation, not managing forecast, right? So those people, at least that's my perception, and you would have to interview the student to get their feedback, but clearly I saw a shift from managing the business to managing people. And that makes a big difference between transactional sales guy and transformational salespeople and sales leader. And um, that started driving big impact, right? When we started looking at the numbers, when we started looking at the type of impact it had, it starts creating innovation through collaboration. Not because we wanted it, but just because of the nature of that reflection. Yeah, coming down to the deep rooted change at the behavior saying, yes, we are one team. We need to collaborate. We need to transform. We need to approach customers differently. And of course, Salia with their full mindset of, of effective salespeople and successful salespeople help us rethink the way to engage, you know? Are we authentic? Are we really customer-centric? Are we tactfully audacious, right? I mean, all those key words that came through what the research from Consalia help us rethink, reposition the way we approach customers. And when the frontline sales manager changed his way of behaving, the salespeople changed their way of behaving because they refer back to the frontline sales manager all the time. And then because of promotion, when those sales managers become sales directors or MD, or head of BU, the impact is multiplied. And that's what we see. And that's why the master finally, after six years of, let's say, undercover management, because I didn't make a big fuss out of it. I built it 
and I kept it secret, honestly, so that I don't create, let's say, antivirus type reaction from the organization. I didn't know how the organization would react to this type of program. So I call, I kept it for four or five years under the radar, up to the point where the global team called me and said, Axel, we would like to integrate the master program to our global leadership program for sales. I said, fine. And at that point, I moved to sales enablement. And I continued running that program. But by the way, it was a, a shadow job. I did that in parallel of my normal day-to-day -day activity. And I kept on doing it up to the point that now I don't have to advertise the program anymore because sales managers talk to their peers and the peers said, yeah, I want to join on the program. And they call me, which is a good problem to have. So the only thing I can say, because I see we are moving close to the end of, of the call team, is that if you're looking at a way to transform your sales team, try to find of a way to create that space. That space for frontline sales managers needs to be motivated by a degree, because if you don't deliver a degree, then in not, not a single program I have seen can compete with the pressure of the quarter. Not single one. The only one that can compete with the pressure of the quarter is the master degree. And then it gives two years of transformative space with a beginning and an end, yeah? this continuous process of transformation, where transformation can take place. And I think with what we've seen, Phil, we have really seen a real transformation from transactional, SAP is a highly transactional machine, extremely effective, into transformational. And I guess that helps us big time now to go into the next level of transformation with the cloud, because we are really accelerating that transformation. And the master is a key component of that. Of course, limited in number, but huge in magnitude. So that's why I'm a big fan feel of the master program. That's what Thank I can you, say. Axel. I'm just very conscious of time. And I just wonder if, if there are any questions that anyone has, uh, just to pose them in chat. I know we've got some of you, this is the first time you probably heard the story. Some of you are going through the masters or have done it or indeed gone on to do a doctorate. Dr. Grant. <laughs> mm -hmm. Indeed. But any questions for Axel before we just um, uh, sort of close off the session that we have today? Thank you, Axel. Pleasure. That was very kind of you to be so kind about the program, <laughs> I have to say. Um, and I think Paul Devlin has joined the Causeway team, Steve. Is that right? Yeah. So you've probably, and yes, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's probably why he's I suggested you join the session as well. But nice to have you with us. Um, I was going to have a few moments to share for those of you who didn't know about the masters a bit more information in detail, but we don't have enough time for that on this session because we're due to finish on the hour. Um, but for any of you who would like to know more, please reach out to us. Very happy to talk to you. And um Thank you so much for taking part. I hope you've enjoyed it. And please give us feedback as to whether you've enjoyed the session and uh, as it provoked some ideas. And uh, hopefully you'll join us again at some future stage. So, Axel, thank you. Big pat to you. <laughs> thank you all. <laughs> thank you for your and, Okay. Thank you very much. Say goodbye. Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs>